All right? Now put your finger in it and close it and let's declare the Lord's blessing over this word today. All right, let's, let's go. This is my Bible. It is the inspired, infallible, immutable word of God. I long for it more than my necessary food. I love it and I'm never offended. I live by it and I prosper in whatever I do. The word that I'm about to receive will sanctify me, build me up, and give me an inheritance among the saints. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Psalm number 8, verse 3 through 6, reads this way. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the work of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. My focus is on verse 4. What is man that you're mindful of him? I'm continuing today on part 2. What is man? All right, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. What is man? What is man? Hallelujah. Again, we are so thankful for how the Lord ministered a very powerful revelation and I believe a prophetic declaration to us a couple Sundays ago through Apostle Derber about the five times, five times. Remember he ministered about Benjamin on the message Divine Mess about how the last shall be first. And so there's a revelation about five times or we could say the fivefold that we need to understand. And for me, what it has done is helped me uh, have a, an easier target for my faith. You know, when people talk about goal setting, one of the things about a goal, a goals that you set is that they must be attainable. Right? Some of you have done the whole star in setting goals, right? And the A in star is for attainable. And so faith needs to be put in something that you can, you can really lock into. Sometimes we set our faith so far out there that it's not really attainable. I'm not talking about it's not possible. All things are possible. I'm talking about your faith where you are is still not there yet. Are you understanding me? And so what the five times did, hopefully it did it for you as it did for me, was give me something a little more attainable. And I'm believing God for the, for the hundredfold, but I can believe him right now for the fivefold. Now, fivefold is nothing foreign to us, uh, or to God. In fact, uh, Ephesians 4 talks about the fivefold. Is that right? In fact, let me put it on the screen for us. Ephesians uh, 4, verse 11, uh, in the Passion Translation, 11 through 13, I want you to see what this says here about the fivefold ministry. How many of y'all have heard of the fivefold ministry? And it says, and he has appointed some with grace to be apostles and some with grace to be prophets and some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, keep going, and some with grace to be teachers. So we mentioned here five uh, facets of ministry. And you want all five active. What happened in the body of Christ for so many years is we, we, we shun the foundational two, apostles and prophets. We acted as if apostles and prophets have passed away. That's what people talk. There are no more apostles and prophets. We have evangelists who go out all over the world, and they evangelize. We have pastors who, who preach and lead churches and teachers who teach. But we left the, the two main ones. And the Bible says that, that the church is built on the foundation. 
apostles and prophets. So thank God for opening our eyes to understand that he didn't send all that stuff away, okay? Then it keeps going. Verse 12 says, and their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. Keep going, verse 13. These grace ministries will function, watch this, until. This is how we had to get enough sense and say, wait a minute. We haven't reached anything yet, so we can't have all to have apostles and prophets gone. These grace ministries will function until. We all attain, watch these things, oneness into the faith. Until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. These are great things here. Keep going. And finally we become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual, spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. So if you look at the, at the, at the uh, Passion Translation, it gives fivefold ministry, but then it gives five results of the fivefold ministry. It listed the oneness in the faith. It listed knowledge of the Son of God. It listed a perfect man. It listed spiritual maturity. And then it listed at the end, fully developed in the abundance of Christ. So there's an abundance that comes in Christ that the church hasn't arrived at yet. Now that fully developed, that's what hundredfold literally means. If you look at 100-fold, we, we like to make it 100 times, and it's, it's true, we can say 100-fold 100 times mathematically, but what 100-fold literally means is fully developed. When you get a full harvest on a seed. You understand? 100-fold, uh, in other words, there, there's a, every, a tree has like, like a lifespan. So 100-fold on a tree's lifespan is getting all the fruit out of that tree, not just one crop. Not just one harvest. You understand? So five-fold ministry, it says, will produce a hundred-fold life. And the truth is, catch this, you cannot have a hundred-fold church, a hundred-fold ministry, or a hundred-fold life, a hundred-fold output without a five-fold input. That's why the church is limping around so bad. That's why the church is struggling around so bad because we've just been pastors and not been prophets, not been apostles, laying foundations in the church. And the church has shunned that as if we don't need it anymore, and that's why the church right now is, is limping around, struggling. While the church has made, has made some progress, but we've not reached this full development in the abundance of Christ. Hallelujah. Do you know the church didn't understand the full abundance of Christ until Apostle Paul came along teaching it? Until Apostle Paul got revelation of the abundance of Christ? And he said, you read in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8, he says, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the exceeding riches of Christ. In other words, I learned something. Oh, my God. That's why Satan buffeted him. That's why he got that thorn in his side. The Bible says, he says, because of the abundance of revelation, I, I got an abundance of revelation. <laughs> I got an abundance of revelation. And so the devil's trying to stop Paul from preaching the abundance of revelation. 
Because he knew if, the, if Paul could preach freely the abundance of revelation, people would get, a, get an, an abundance from the revelation. And the church would live in abundance. The church would reach now this, this, this hundredfold that God designed for the church to live in. You got it? So we need the fivefold ministry. Everybody say we need the fivefold ministry. All right, now, so go to John 16, 12 in the Passion. They'll put it on the screen for us, but you can find it in your Bible. It's always good to find, read along in your own Bible. You hear what I said? It's always good to read along in your own Bible. <laughs> because God knows how much uh, our faith can handle and how much our faith can process. I shared that with you Wednesday night. So remember I told you Wednesday night how God has to limit his declaration and raise our, re our revelation? In other words, God doesn't show you everything at one time. If he showed you everything at one time, it'd blow your mind. And God doesn't want to blow your mind. He wants you to keep your mind. He needs you to keep your mind. He needs your mind stayed on him. So he doesn't want to blow your mind, so he shows you a little at a time, as much as you can handle as you go. That's why the Bible says we go from faith to faith. Glory to glory. It says another place in Psalm 84, we go from strength to strength. You got it? Okay. So in John 16, verse 12, in the Passion, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, there is so much more I would like to say to you, but it's more than you can grasp at this moment. So Jesus knows, God knows how much you and I can handle at any given time. Now, I'm not going to read it, but you can go and keep reading verse 13 on. It'll say something like, but when the Holy Ghost comes, the Spirit of Truth comes, He is going to reveal things to you. So you can't even know the things that God wants you to know until the Holy Ghost comes in. So people who don't, I don't need all that Holy Ghost stuff, they're leaving themselves out of the mysteries of God. And they're living life based on uh, common sense. Well, you got to use common sense. Well, if that's all you have. Y'all didn't say anything. You got to use common sense if that's all you have. Pastor, you don't use common sense? No, I don't use common sense. Romans 8, 14 says, they that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Well, God gave you common sense. Yeah, the common people. But God said in, in the book of Acts, he said, what I've called clean, don't you call common. So don't call yourself common. Boy, I mean, my amens must be at home today. I'm talking online then. Don't, don't you call yourself common, just a common man, a common woman. You're not. You are called uncommon by God. In fact, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you are totally uncommon. So when you're uncommon, you don't rely on common sense. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm not telling you go out and walk in the middle of U.S. 19 on the middle, on, on three, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm not, not telling you that. I'm not telling you that. The Holy Ghost wouldn't tell you to do that. That's the reason Jesus Christ wouldn't jump off the pinnacle of the temple. Because the devil was telling him that. God wasn't telling him that. He could have jumped off and angels would have caught him if God had told him that. But that was Satan's wisdom. Uh, preaching better than y'all letting on already. So he said in John 16, 12, in the Passion, there's so much more I would like to say. It's more than you can grasp at this moment. All right? Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 12. Stay in the Passion for right here just for a moment. 1 Corinthians 2, 
move it quickly. First Corinthians 2. Oh, they didn't start my clock, so I can slow down. First Corinthians 2. Verse, y'all better start that clock real quick. First Corinthians 2, verse 9 through 12. Hallelujah. But as it, oh, I'm sorry, let me read from the, from the Passion. This is why the scriptures say things never discovered or heard of before, things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things, keep going please, God has in store for all his lovers. Got it? But God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Remember what Jesus said in John, John 16. I, there are things I want to tell you, but you can't handle them at this moment. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he'll tell you these things. So Paul comes along and says, but God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. How many of y'all have the spirit of God living inside you? You're born again, spirit-filled. You already, do you understand how much an advantage you have over the world? Do you understand how much of an advantage you have over the world? When you have the Holy Ghost living inside you, you can know things that is, are impossible for them to know. Do you know how George Washington Carver came up with all those ideas for the peanut? It was because of school. His school didn't have a lab. His school didn't have any equipment. He got in, into a closet with the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost revealed all these things to him. The Holy Ghost unveiled profound realities to him. I'm trying to tell you, you have a distinct advantage over the whole world because you have the Holy Ghost living inside you. Thank you, Lord. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit, keep going, who constantly explores all things. He constantly explores all things. The Holy Ghost is exploring all things. You don't have to. You just have to listen. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? I don't care. The person you sit next to, you might have been married to them for 10 years. You don't know what's inside their heart right now. Except that person's spirit. So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by his spirit, the spirit of God. His thoughts and secrets are only understood by his spirit, the spirit of God. Now that's who's in you. All right, now this last verse. For we did not receive, oh, thank you, Lord, the spirit of this world system. This is a good thing right now. I was reading this morning, I was, I was reading Hebrews chapter uh, 12 and 13. And chapter 12 of Hebrews was talking about this morning, well, every day, you just read it. <laughs> but Hebrews 12 in, in the passage translation talks about how uh, this whole world system is being shaken up. God said, once more, in fact, in passage says, once more I will shake the whole world system. And I said, Lord, that's happening right now. That's what's happening around us. But all the world's systems are being shaken up. What God prophesied thousands of years ago is coming to pass right now as we speak. All right, now watch. So we didn't receive the spirit of, the, of this world system, but the spirit of God, here it is, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace, all that grace has lavished upon us. Grace has lavished some stuff on us. Grace has lavished some things on us. God's grace, God's ability to give, God's mercy, God's kindness has lavished some things on us. And he said, the only way you're going to know them is by the Spirit. 
Now, I want to remind you what the Lord told me. It was Tuesday, uh, June 30th. He spoke to me and he said, do not be moved by the world. They can only dream of what I have for you. He spoke those words, exact words to me. Do not be moved by the world. They can only dream of what I have for you. Now, we just read here, these things are only revealed by the Spirit of God. So if the world doesn't have the Spirit of God, they can't even see what God has. Everything that they've discovered already is, is child's play compared to what God still has in store. Oh, I wish I'd get two people excited about this. Everything that they have in the world that they are in ooing and ong and have us gooing and gong about and oh, look at that, is child's play compared to what God has. And my challenge is to get all of us to see what God wants us to see. So we can do what God wants us to do. You got it? Now, go back to Psalm number 8. Psalm number 8. Because God is ready to put us in charge. His faithful ones in charge. I said in charge. Now, I told you this last week of large money. Everybody say large money. Now, I didn't say little money. I said large money. Large money in the $1,200 stimulus check. $600 a week from, the, from the unemployment. That's not, that's not large money. <laughs> large territory. It's more than just your quarter acre that your house sits on. <laughs> You're trying to manage that. Right? Gershman, Preserve, y'all doing some renovations on your house and your property and fixing everything up. I rolled by there to check it out. It's looking nice, man. You're going to make everybody that's around you look bad. But that's how it's supposed to be, because you're the one serving God. You're the one serving God. It's supposed to be the best in the neighborhood. Make the heathen have to look at you and say, what y'all doing? Y'all making us look bad. But you know how to just, just get the work done on that little quarter acre that you're sitting on. But what happens when you, when you, when you got large territory, when God wants you to govern a county? Y'all ain't saying it. Talking about when God, God has given you a regional anointing. See, large money, large territory, large work, major responsibility. God is looking for somebody who can handle major responsibility, which means you're going to be responsible for land and people. Abraham, the Bible says, Abraham, when God blessed him, he blessed him. Abraham had silver at Genesis 13 too. He had silver and gold and cattle. But then you read, you keep reading. By the time you get to Genesis 14, the Bible talks about how Abraham had at least 318 trained servants. That means they were all on his payroll. He was managing a major household. Now that, that was just, that's just men. That didn't count all the women and the children that were all employed, all in Abraham the household. So everywhere he traveled, they had to travel. We're packing up. We're going. Y'all not catching up. The blessing of Abraham. Y'all keep talking about the blessing of Abraham. Abraham had at least 318 trained servants, men, who went out and fought. That's not, that doesn't count all the women and all the children. 
He's feeding them. He's housing them. He's teaching them about God. How you know? Because the Bible said that's why God chose Abraham because he knew he'd teach his children. He knew he'd teach his household about God. That's major responsibility. Are y'all seeing this today? Now God's, God's getting us ready for this here. Now I've, I have to help uh, form, reform us inside so we can be ready to handle what God wants to do in our lives. Psalm 8. Psalm 8. Verse 3. Because I'm talking today about what is man. What is man? Look, look at your neighbor. Just, just look at him. Don't say that. Just look at him. Now, when you look at them, you see a form, a figure, a male or a female, and you see a certain height, a certain uh, body build, a certain skin tone, a certain hair texture, a certain whatever, whatever. If you're married, you're looking deep into their eyes and all that kind of good stuff. But what you're seeing is a shell. What you're seeing is a shell that houses that person. We are spirit, soul, and body. We, we are spirits. We have souls, which means our minds, our will, our emotions. And we live in physical bodies. So your body is not you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Y'all grab a hold of what I'm saying. Your body is not you. When, when, when you die, when you die, it's your spirit. It's you leaving your body. Because you, oh, Jesus, only need your body to be on this planet. Oh, man, this might, might have been a Wednesday night thing. Y'all just track me now. Jesus could not come into the earth without a body. When God needed to get into this planet to, to uh, repair it and restore, make everything right, he could not violate his own rules. Earth he made for man. The heavens, even though the heavens belong to God, but the earth he's given to the children of men. So Jesus Christ, when he came, he could not come as, uh, as a spirit. He has to come, had to come as a child of man. <laughs> Satan was so baffled when he saw Adam in the garden. <laughs> Satan's mind was blown because he had been in heaven where he had spent all of eternity past in heaven from the day God created him, his worship leader, his praise and one to keep the atmosphere right. And all of a sudden he gets kicked out. You know, he falls, takes the third angels with him. And now he comes down on his planet and he looks up one day and there's this, there's this man who looks like God. He said, what, what are you doing here? Because he recognizes Adam looks just like God. Adam is made in God's image and God's likeness. Adam is not sitting there with, you know, 
uh, Perry Ellis on and polo and, and stuff. No, he's clothed in glory. From the loins down, from the loins up, he's clothed in fire and glory. That's, a, that's how your Bible describes Adam. So he looks like God. <laughs> but he's a man. But he's the God man of the earth. And he's given dominion, Genesis 1.28, over the earth. So when Jesus Christ wants to get into this planet that has now been wrecked by sin, he can't just show up and walk around as a spirit. He must, that's why he says in the uh, book of Hebrews, prepare me a body. Prepare me a body. Prepare me a body so I can go. I need a shell. When, you, when you're done here, you don't need that shell anymore. You got it? You're going to leave here. Got it? All right. So you are a spirit. You have a soul, mind, will, emotions, and you live in a body. So it's not your body that's of greatest concern to me. It's not even your soul that is of greatest concern to me. It's your spirit because your spirit is headquarters. Your spirit runs the show. And the problem with many of us in the body of Christ is that according to Ecclesiastes, we've had our spirits walking while our souls have been on the horse. The Bible says there's an evil under the sun. But I've seen that the princes are walking while the servants are on the horse. Your body is the horse. Your soul is the servant. You are, your, your spirit, you are the prince. And we've had it flip where the prince has been walking and letting, letting the soul drag us around. Every time your soul gets out of whack, you get mad, you get upset, you get mad, you get upset, you get offended, you get hurt, you get depressed, you get angry, you get sad, you get grief and all that. And the soul kind of just dragging us along. And he said, that's evil. He said, no, put the spirit back on the horse. Let, let your spirit drive you. Is this too deep for a Sunday morning at 12? Somebody can handle this, right? So he needs your spirit in charge. See, because it's your deep cause of deep, the Bible says. So when God reveals things to us by his spirit, he's not talking to your brain. Your brain is part of your body. He's talking to you, your spirit. Because your spirit can handle what God says. The reason why, thank you, Holy Ghost, go back to John 16, when he said that there are things, Jesus said to the disciples, there are things I want to tell you, but you can't handle them right now. Why? Because they were, they were still half dead men. They were half dead. They were, they were spiritually dead men. So they're naturally alive, but they're spiritually dead. So they had no spirit-to-spirit connection. So what he wanted to say, they could not understand. It took, it took them to after Jesus Christ was raised from the dead to understand. There are things that after, after he was raised, they say, oh, that's what he meant. Why? Wow, because all of a sudden now they're spiritually alive. Oh, they're awakened. You know everybody want to go around talking about they woke now? I'm woke. You know your cousins, oh, I'm woke. You need to be woke. No, you are not woke until you're born again filled with the Holy Ghost. Until you are that, you are dead. You are sleeping. Got it? Okay. 
All right, now, so, so, so watch this. I'm, I'm, I'm way off course here, but I was, it's the word, the word is coming. Psalm number eight, verse three. Because I, I, I want to show you, holy, help me, Holy Ghost, to get you to see what he's saying to me. When I consider your heavens, your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars. How many of y'all have ever sat just taking a pause enough in life to sit there and look at the heavens, look at the stars? I know if you're in St. Petersburg, it's kind of hard to do it because we got all the street lights and the city lights and it's hard to really gaze. But if you've ever gone to Africa, if you've ever gone to a, to a foreign land or gone to the country, you ever been to the country? where there aren't a lot of lights so you can really see the stars and see the skies and like, wow. Beautiful. It's a whole, like a whole different sky. It's the same sky. But you're not distracted by all the, the artificial lights. You're focused on all the natural, God-made lights. That's a message right there, Chris. You can preach that one. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, when I consider, just when you look up, you consider like, wow, look how big that's, the, the, scar, the sky is. And look at, man, that's just awesome. The moon and the stars, which you have made, verse 4, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him. In other words, oh my God. The stars, billions of them. Billions of stars. Still creating. Right? You know, the, the universe is still expanding to this day. When God said, let there be light, he never stopped it. He never turned it off. So even science says the universe is still getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They don't know that God just didn't turn off the faucet. <laughs> right? He upholds the world with the word of his power. So his, the word of his power is still producing in, in, the, in the universe. So you sit there and look at it all like, wow, the stars and the, the moon. We've been to the moon. You know, you got Mars and Mercury and Jupiter and Saturn and the sun. Mr. Golden Sun, you're like, wow. Black holes and asteroids and comets and meteors and, and all the constellations. Have y'all look, ever looked at the constellations and see? Nope. <laughs> Over here, have y'all ever looked at the constellations and see? Orion. I mean, right, right in our sky, in our sky here in our, in our hemisphere, you can look out and see every night the Little Dipper and the Big Dipper. You can look right, at, right out and see them. Your Bible mentions these constellations. The Bible, these aren't like man-made. The Bible mentions these constellations. Y'all better read your Bible sometime now. So you look up there and you see it like, wow. That is amazing. How many light years away is that star? What man is trying to explore. And yet, he says, what is man? In other words, wait a minute. Look at all that. 
say, but what is man? Y'all got to catch this. See, I'm trying to help you because I don't think you understand who you are. I think you've allowed what you saw in the mirror this morning to tamper down your faith, to limit your belief, to, 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 to decrease and, and contain your capacity. Because you don't understand who you are. That when God laid out his creation, all the stars, all the moons in the universe, I know we have one moon around the earth, but all the moons in the, in the universe, all the expanse of heaven. When, when you consider the earth, <laughs> all that he's made, you ever look at a, at, a, at a flower and tropical fish and butterflies and the, oh, you see what I'm saying? You look at, oh, look what God did and the trees and the grass. You ever look at a mango? You ever, you, you ever look? I did more than look at it, Pastor. I, look, I'm a, I saw it. Oh, I mean, you ever just like, wow, this must be the fruit of heaven. You're like, oh, my God, this is, oh, I'll slice you for touching my mango. You know what I'm saying? It's just, wow. And yet, yet, he says, what is man? Ask your neighbor, do you realize who you are? Oh, what is man? You look at the seas, these big Sperm whales. You, there, there are whales that as long as this building. You know, they say a large fish swallowed Jonah. That had to be a big fish. We always call it a whale. The Bible said a fish. But it, 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 was, it wasn't a whale because whales are mammals, right? Is that right? So it couldn't have been, couldn't have been a whale because was a whale is a mammal. It's the Bible says it's a large fish. So a fish, it had to be something. I don't know what kind of shark, whatever, what, whatever it was, it swallowed him. So he's got an inside look like wow. Because it didn't say he swallowed him and he's like stuck in the in the in the in the system like can't breathe. He's sitting there talking to the Lord. He's sitting there like, man, what have I gotten myself into? What have I gotten myself into? Y'all missed the punchline. With all that, as smart as all the dolphins are, what is man? I remember Barbara Mr. Barbone preached years sometime about the flagship of God's creation. Man, I'll never forget that. The flagship of God's creation. We're God's masterpiece. We are, everything else revolves around us. Everything else that in the, in the first five days of creation, God did for us. Prepping for day six. The sun, the moon, the stars in place. All the grass of the field, all the herbs of the field, all the animals in the field, everything he made, all the seeds, everything is made for day six. So he brings about out his masterpiece creation. What is man? Notice he didn't say what is woman. 
He said, what is man? Well, you leaving women out? No, it's women you're included. Because it's not this flesh. He's not talking about your gender. He's not talking about your color. He's not talking about your height or your weight. Oh, my God. He's talking about the real you in you. What is man? Notice it says here that you are mindful of him. Mindful. Your mind is full of him. That this man fills your mind. That with all the things you created, in other words, God's, God can look through the universe, there's the stars. and, all, and you, you, know, you know the Bible says that God calls the stars by name? Your Bible says God calls the stars by name. He knows every star in the, on this planet. Well, the, these, these stars died. There ain't no stars died. They just left the sight of man, natural sight. They didn't die. He calls all the stars by name. <laughs> He knows all the stars. He knows all the, all the planets. He knows all the constellations. But he is mindful. He knows all the sparrows. And you know how the, what the Bible says, Matthew 6? He knows all the sparrows, all the little farthings, the, all the, the so forth farthings. He knows every little bird. He not, don't let them fall without knowing. But he's mindful. In other words, all he thinks about, LaWanda, is you. All God's waking moments, which is all the time, because he never sleeps or slumbers, all the moments of God's eternity is thinking about you. Now I'm building you up. I might get to where I'm trying to get to by next, next, uh, next month, but I, I need you to see what I'm saying to you here. I need, I need you to understand how big you are in God's mind. That even when God planted you in your skin or in your frame, when he put you in your mother's womb, God told Jeremiah before you were even born, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were formed? Y'all miss that. Before you were formed? Form means he didn't have a body. And God said, but I knew you. I ordained you. I called you a prophet to the nations. Before you were formed? That means the real you is not your form. The real you isn't about how tall you are. How, I wish I was a tall. I wish I was a tall. I wish I was a baller. I wish I, I wish I was wider. I wish I was narrow. I wish I was. I, oh, whatever. That's not the real you. Tell your neighbor, that's not the real you. That's one, that's one of the dangerous things the devil's doing right now in our nation has got everybody worried about what color they are. Trying to cause division and separation by, based on color. That ain't even the real you. What is man that you're mindful of him? Now check this out, Deke. This will knock your socks down the street. 
and the son of man that you visit him. Uh Uh-oh. That you visit him? Now, the Bible makes no mention anywhere of God visiting the moon. Visiting the sun, visiting the stars, visiting the whales, visiting the orangutans, visiting peacocks. Visiting the angels? Never. But he said, this man, you visit him. Uh, You'll get it. You visit. Have you ever visited anybody? Why did you visit them? Cause to see about them, or cause you wanted to see them. I like—I don't visit people I don't like. That's just people you don't like. Yeah, there's people I don't like. People I don't like. Now I love everybody, but there's people I don't like. If you tell the truth, the people you don't like either. Now, if God tells me to visit them, I'm gonna visit them because I'm gonna be obedient. But you ever—you have, have that auntie who you always visit. You know, the sweet one that always, every time you come over, she got a cake or something. Or, hey, baby, come on, come on in, baby. Good to see you. You want something to eat? Yes. So I came over, right? You visit someone because you want to spend time with them. And you visit them because you want to have conversation with them. And you want to have conversation because you can have, watch this, watch this, on the same level. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you visit him? If God, and he does, visits you, is because he wants to talk to you. He wants to commune with you. He wants to fellowship with you, and he will talk on the same level. Way to come out of my level. Maybe now, but when God would walk with Adam, when God visited Adam, they talked on the same level. Oh, am I talking to anybody here? Adam was made in God's own image, Genesis 1.26, and God's own likeness. So when God would talk with him, he talked to him on the same level. When God wanted things done, you know, after God made Adam, God was done creating from scratch. From then on, it was on Adam. What is man? That you have him on your mind. God brought the animals to Adam. 
to see what he would call them. What God? You could have called it. You could have called the animals. You could have named the animals, couldn't you? Well, I could have, but that was Adam's job. And your Bible says, and whatever Adam called them, that was its name. God didn't say, no, I don't like that name, Adam. He said, okay. Adam, you called it. That's your authority. That animal's on your planet. God named the angels. They're up there. The animals down here. Y'all don't like it. So, okay, Adam, okay, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone, so what I'm going to do is knock you out. Bam, knock out, go to sleep. Knocks him out, takes a rib. God doesn't take more sand, more dust. Takes a rib out of Adam. Forms this woman out of Adam. Boom, presents her to him. And God didn't say, Adam, here's a woman. Adam said, this is a woman. Not, not, not God. Now, y'all got to get past your religious thinking here. Got to get past religious mind here because I'm teaching you kingdom about what is man. Because I hope to get you through this before September that God is calling for you and me to be his partners. I'm not talking about you partnering with me. I'm talking about, I'm talking about partnering with God. I'm not talking about finances. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you being a worker together with God. That's what Paul said. We are workers together with him. Paul understood what I'm teaching you. So he understood I'm not just a mere man. He said when you're carnal, you're behaving like mere men. In other words, you can be a mere man or you can be a God man. What is mere? Mere means you, you common. You're just a regular old human being. You still act like fallen man. But see, if any man, if any man be in Christ, come on. He's a what? New creation, new creature. That means you've gone back to Adam. You've gone back to now being on the same level where God can talk to you face to face like a man talks to his friend. Where God can say, here, I want something done and I, I got somebody who can do it. Where God can say, I need somebody to move that mountain over there. I'm not going to do it myself. I need somebody to do it for me. Well, God can say, I need somebody to wipe out this whole coronavirus in that region over there. I need, some, I need somebody to take care of this whole nation over here on this side over here. I need. I'm talking about partners. But to partner with God, I need to know who I am. What is man? That you are mindful of him or the son of man that you visit him. Go to the book of Job. No, give me, give me Psalm, Psalm number 144. Psalm 144 and verse 3. Can I keep going here? Y'all got a few more minutes? Oh, Jesus. 
Lord, what is man? Here it is again. That you take knowledge of him. Or the son of man that you are mindful of him. Take knowledge of him. Take knowledge. That means get to know him. Why did you want to get to know this man so much? What is it about man that intrigues you so much? What is it about man that's so interesting to you, God? Oh, man. Holy Ghost, help him get it. We're interested in people. That's why, that's why your Facebook and your Instagram feed is flooded because you, you, you're interested in people. You follow people. Y'all quiet. You follow, and how it works, I'm not on it, but I, I heard that's how it works. You follow people. And your, your feed gets flooded with all their stories, all their information, and all their pictures, and all their little profiles, and all their little stuff. You just got, you know, everything. You know about what they got on today. You know about where they ate yesterday morning. You know about where they're going tomorrow. And all. You know too much information. It's just, Barbara, I heard about it. Just too much information. People are just flooded with Social media, they want to know everything about everybody, and they want everybody to know everything about them. Too much information. Yet your Bible says, what is man that you take knowledge of him? So God's feed is flooded with your pictures. Oh, that's, that's, that's my baby. That's, you see that? That's my baby. Your Bible says that in his palm... Your name is inscribed. Every time he says, oh, that's, that's my baby. He, he's watching everything. He, <laughs> the Bible talks about in Psalm 139 about how we're fearfully and wonderfully made. It said all of our days were written before we lived one of them. So God already wrote out all of our days. He's like, yep, this is the day I'm, I'm about to raise them up. I'm about to just, they just, they just stick with me three more days. I'm about to bless them. And Somebody ought to shout about that. Three more days, I'm going to raise them up and give them a whole new platform. All your days are written out before you live one of them. <laughs> what is this? What is this species? that you take knowledge of him. See, I got to get this, and I, I hope you listen, and even the young people, please listen to what I'm saying to you. Because, because the devil wants you to not understand who you are so that you make everything superficial. You make everything about what you drive and what you wear and what you have and how your hair looks and if you got the right extensions on and if you got the right... You're the right, what's them things, I'm, what you call them, eyelashes and all that, you got all this, everything about that and about it, about the shoes and it's about the shoes, and about the shoes and about the shoes and it's about the shoes and it's about that, it's about that, I gotta get this changed, I gotta get surgery, I gotta get this, I gotta get that because it's become so superficial because the devil wants you to think that that's the real you and that's not the real you. Your Bible says all flesh is as grass and the grass withers and the flower fades away. Because if he can get you so focused on this, 
you have no focus on that which is the real deal. And you'll spend more time in the mirror doing your makeup than in the mirror of the word doing your spirit. You'll spend more time in the mirror getting your lashes right than you will spend in the word getting your heart right. Now, I'm not picking on lashes. I don't care about people. I mean, some, some people need lashes. Some people just need lashes because if they didn't have lashes put on, you wouldn't know they had eyeballs, right? This is, you, they need them. You, just, you need a little face paint. Some people need a little face paint. You need a little help. It's all right. You need a little, just a little. It's all right. Guys, I found out we need some help, too. I, I, I start, start using some, uh, what's this stuff? What's my, what's, babe, what's that? Uh, uh, what's this stuff from Africa? What's the Shea butter. Oh, yeah, shea butter. Oh, that, that stuff works. Like, still got a, I got a new routine now. I'm going to get that glow right. But that's not the real me. The real me is my spirit that God is mindful of. Now, listen to this. Now, let's go now to Job, please. I, I just want to, let me just get through a couple more, please. Okay, y'all have time for a couple more? Job. Hallelujah. What is this man that you visit him? The son of man. Oh, my God. That you take knowledge of him. Job and chapter 7, please. Hallelujah. Y'all know Job was going through some mess. Right? And Job had the mistaken idea that God was doing this to him. Am I right? God wasn't doing this to Job. It wasn't even, as I heard a guy preaching the night, erroneously, that it was God's idea for Satan to mess with Job. That wasn't. It wasn't God's idea. When God said, have you considered my servant Job? He, in other words, he's saying, oh, that's where you've been? Oh, you've been considered. You got, you got to go back and read an original Hebrew. You understand that God wasn't asking him, hey, go try Job. God doesn't recommend you for, for a problem. It's not God. That, I, I, as a father, I wouldn't say, hey, go, go and try my son, Jonathan. You better get your hands off my son. I'll kill you messing with my son. God's a good father. That's not what he's doing. Okay? So Job, chapter 7, verse 17 and 18. Job is going through some stuff right now. His soul is out of whack. Job loves God, but his soul is out of whack right now because he's been, his flesh is being bombarded so his soul is out of whack verse 17 though he says this what is man that you should exalt him that you should set your heart on him what set your heart on him watch this that you should visit him what every morning you ought to get excited about that that you visit him every morning and test him every moment. Test, this word test does not mean a test like you thinking about exam, you know, just proving, just, you know, trying to, trying to mess with you. It's proving him. It's, it's, it's shoring him up. It's encouraging him. That's exactly what it is. It's encouraging him. It's, it's, a, it's an examination to encourage you. Hey, you, you have what it takes. Job, you have what it takes. 
Job, you can go through this. Go, Job, you can deal with this. Job, it'll be over in just a, just a little bit. Job, I know. You understand? This is what God does. He says, that, what is man that you should visit him every morning? When I saw that, Gigi, I got excited that you visit every morning. Because in, in my prayer life, I always kind of saw the idea that I'm going to visit him. But when I saw, wait a minute, no, he's coming to visit me. I have a standing appointment with Jesus every single morning. Hallelujah. I don't have to call him, Lord, stop by here, dear Lord, stop by here. No, he's already here. I came by to see you. How you doing? Before, can I, can I, just, can I just freak you out for a moment? Before, here's, here's this, it won't freak you out, but it's just, hopefully you don't get scared. But really, here's, here's God. You're sleeping, laying down asleep, and God's sitting like this. He's sleeping. Here you are, you're sleeping. And sometimes he'll do this. Has that ever happened to anybody? Come on, tell the truth. God just. Your alarm clock set for seven, and it's, it's 545. And it's like, hey, hey, I'm going to tell you something. Come on, don't, don't hold back on me. Has God ever done it to you in your life? But even if he doesn't touch you, he'll just sit there and just, Come on, I tell the truth. How many of y'all, if you, you're your parent, you've ever gone there and watched your little children sleeping? Just check on them. Especially when they're a little baby, you just check to make sure they're they breathing. Right? You just kind of do that. You're like, okay. The child, they laying there, is kind of still. You know, they can be 7, 8, or 14. And they land there kind of still, you're just like, just checking on them. You're not checking to make sure they didn't leave the house. You're just checking to make sure they're all right. Right? That's Father God. He's sitting there just waiting. He's like. And then you, you finally wake up. You're like, hey, good morning, sleepyhead. How you doing? Are y'all seeing this right here, what I'm telling you? God, hey, how you doing? You go in the, this is me, my routine. I get up and I'm going to go in the bathroom. I'm going to wash my face. And he's standing right there in the mirror. Good morning. How you doing? And that's what I'm saying. Good morning, Father. This is me. I'm telling you. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Oh, praise the Lord. Let me just a minute, Lord. I'll be right there. Because I know you want to talk. So when I enter then into his presence, I don't have to, see, I don't have to try to fight to get into his presence. I know he's already, he's visiting me. Tell your but God is visiting you every morning. Now, you, can I help somebody here? Can I help somebody here? He is visiting you. It's up to you to open the door. I ain't gonna lie, there have been times I've had visits to my house and I peeked through the, through the curtain and I saw, oh, that's a salesman or that's a, you know, what you call them people, they... I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna call him. I'm not. I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna say that. Salesman. People passing out stuff, and I said, No, I'm not gonna open that. Politicians. They had a guy run up on our house yesterday. I'm running for office. I ain't open that door. Mom did. She was there. She opened the door. I'm not opening that door. 
I don't, I'm not ready for a visit. Yet, God visits us. Now, we already read earlier in from, from Psalm 8 and Psalm 144 how he visits us. Job says every morning. Man, that, if that don't float your boat, you might not be saved. You know, you have a, people when they're in, in relationship with somebody, what, what does everybody want? I want quality time. I'll come over here. You can't call nobody. Don't you always want somebody to say, hey, call, how you doing? In the middle of your day, just text me. Just, what you doing? You want to talk, don't you? You want to, that's how we get to know each other. By visiting. So God takes knowledge of us, and what he does is every morning, according to Job, he visits us. Now, my prayer right now in this moment, if I don't finish anything else in this message, is that when you get up tomorrow morning, you have a whole new attitude, a whole new disposition. Like, when I wake up, hey, Jesus, how you doing? Good morning. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. I mean, I'm just telling you, I'm so conscious of this that I, I go brush my teeth right away. Oh, Jesus is visiting me, for real. I'm, ask my wife, that's it. I brush my teeth right away because I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to be talking to Jesus and my breath is like. I'm being visited by Jesus, by the King, by the Lord of Lords, the great I am. Every morning. How many of y'all ever been, tell the truth, tell the truth, shame the devil. You've, been, you've had those mornings where it's, you know it's your time to get up and your body just says no. And you just kind of lay there a few minutes. You know what Jesus does? He don't go nowhere. Oh, I know. Have you ever had people you went and visited, they came visit you and y'all don't really say much, you just kind of sit there and just. Yeah. Well, it might be boring maybe to some people, but there's some people you don't, I, don't, I just want to see you. Okay, let me, let, me take, let me take you back. I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you back at least. This is back when you were in high school and you were dating somebody and you're on the phone and you're like. You say something. No, you say something. Hello? You still there? I'm still here. <laughs> you know what I'm to say? <laughs> you don't have anything to say? No. Well, hang up. I don't want to hang up. You hang up first. No, I'm not going to What you doing now? Nothing. You're just on the phone, not saying anything. But you're visiting. Sometimes when you're with the Lord, it's not about how, mu how much you can rattle off in your prayer life and all your, oh, no. Sometimes just sitting there, just, just enjoying his presence. 
Now, there are times he prompts you in conversation or things that you want to tell him or talk to him about or things that maybe, you know, he might, might have you in an intercession, but there are times it's just you sitting there. There are times, it happened to me yesterday, I'm, this is not my prayer time, this is I'm sitting there just at home for a little while by myself, and I'm just sitting there with the Lord, and, and all of a sudden just tears just begin to fill my eyes because I'm just thinking about just his friendship. I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of, I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of God. How many saved people do I have in this place? Do you realize you're a friend of God? Thank God for natural friends, but I'm a friend of God. Do you understand that? See, my, my assignment in these messages is to get you to really reconnect and understand who you are. We've learned a lot about who God is, and I don't think we know enough about who God is. I think we've, we've kind of minimized God in our minds. God is much bigger and much greater than we understand. But he needs us as much to understand who we are. I'm not talking about becoming humanists, where you all of a sudden start glorying yourself. No, no flesh can glory in his presence. I'm talking about you understanding who you are in him, who he made you to be, so that now we can partner up and work together and get some things done in the kingdom of God. Amen? Well, I think I'm going to stop right there. He says that you should visit him every morning and test him, examine him, prove him. Encourage him, build him up every moment. Every moment, not just morning, every moment, all day long. He's talking to us, walking with us. I remember, Mom, one day I was headed to Wednesday morning prayer. And in this prayer, in this, on my way to prayer, I was just fellowship with the Lord. And I had this, I'm not saying I saw it naturally. This is in the spirit, uh, if you allow this, my sanctified imagination. That's how my brother-in-law said, my sanctified imagination. I saw a light from heaven shining on me in the car where I was and just following me like a spotlight. You know a spotlight in, in, the, in a play? A spotlight follows a, a character. And I just saw this spotlight on me just as I'm driving down MLK on my way to the church just, just on me. In other words, I understood that God and I are in union. We're in connection. He's with me wherever I go. I can't escape from his presence because as much as I want to fellowship with him, he wants to fellowship with me much more. And as children of God, we shortchange ourselves when we fail to fellowship with Almighty God. God wants to hang out with us. Hallelujah. Well, let me say this last thing here about this visitation. That we are God's offspring. Right? 
And so as offspring, God visits us as his children. Right? Romans 8, 16 and 17 talks about uh, how the spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and of children and we are heirs. And if heirs, we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Right? So that we, if we suffer with him, we'll also be glorified together. That's how it goes. Okay? So as his children, I think about, you know, my, my children are growing up too fast. <laughs> our, our youngest is now 14. And I, I'm like, man, I miss the little kids. <laughs> but I understand I can't keep them as little kids. I, I really want them to grow up. It's not that fast. So as, as their dad, when I get a chance to fit myself into their schedule, Some of y'all parents know what I mean. When I can get into their schedule because, you know, as kids age, they don't need you as, as much. Am I talking right? They don't need you as much. They, that, now they can close their room door and occupy themselves now. And they can, you know, they got all kind of games and phones and all that stuff. They don't really need you. They don't depend on you as much. They can dress themselves and they can, you know, they do all this stuff. And they don't need you like they need you anymore. Like they used to need you. So as a dad, whenever I can, you know, get an opening on their schedules, I sit down with them. Of course, every meal we sit down together, I'm going to talk. I'm going to say something. But even beyond that, when I can sit down with my children, when I can, if you allow this, visit with them, I always use that as an occasion for instruction. It's the final thing I want you to get today. That when I visit with them, I'm not just shooting the breeze with them. We can shoot the breeze in the car. How you doing? What's up? Tankhead, you know, and all that kind of, we're just messing around. But when I can sit down with my children, I want to give them instructions on life. My girls, I tell them about boys. My son, he's not old enough yet to know about girls, so I don't talk to him about that. He's only 14. Have y'all had to talk? We've had to talk. But we don't have to have a clinic yet because you're not old enough. You're not dating nobody. My 25-year-old, I just told her, told her a few weeks, a couple weeks ago, you can go and start dating now. She's 25. Amen. My point is that I use all those occasions for instruction. In Proverbs, I believe it's chapter 1, right around verse 7 or 8, talks about hearing instruction of the Father. But I know in Proverbs 4 and verse 1, it says, hear the instruction of a father. Fathers instruct their children. That's what fathers do. To teach them how to become uh, an adult. How to operate in life like me. You got to catch this. 
We are God's children. So when he visits with us, it is to give us instruction on how to function in this life, on how to operate like he operates. Got it? That's why God visits. Hang out, fellowship, shoot the breeze. But he's going to always put Psalm 32, verse 8 on the screen. Psalm 32 and verse 8 on the screen. Here are the words of Father God. Here's God's words. I will instruct you. This is God talking. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. That's a good father. I will guide you with my eye. I'm going to look at him and show you. No, no, here it is. I'm going to show you. Now, the eyes eyes of the Lord is spirit. The Bible talks about Revelation, the seven eyes of the Lord, the seven spirits of the Lord. So when he says, I got you with my eye, it's by his spirit he's going to guide you. So, but what he has to do before he guides you is instruct you and teach you. Got it? So when God visits you every day and he he, uh, encourages you every moment, he's doing this. He's instructing you. He's teaching you in the way you should go. He's guiding you with his eye. So you know, as a child of God, how to operate like him. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? Because what he wants, how many of you remember when Jesus Christ turned 12 and his parents found him in the temple? What was his words to his parents? I must be about my father's business. It was always understood that the child grows up and takes over the business. Y'all wake up. It's always understood in God's economy that when the child grows up, he takes over the father's business. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. So for you and me, he's teaching us, instructing us, training us to take over the business. We mean God's retiring? No, he's not retiring. But he needs us on this planet to handle his business. So he, he got to get us on the same page. Luke 19, 13. He says, occupy, or New King James says, do business or handle my business until I come. So it's our job to do God's business until Jesus Christ comes back. So he got to get us as children to know how the business is run. You got it? What is man? Say, neighbor, it's not your hair. It's not your skin. It's the real you. In you, you. the Spirit of God has changed the inside of you. Amen. Amen. And I hope that wasn't too much for you this morning. Was that that good? Will you give God a praise if you receive that word today? Come on, give God a praise again to receive that word today. Hallelujah. Now, trust me, I got a long ways to go. I got a long ways to go with this to teach you Because this is a, the Bible says we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. So our minds have to be renewed by the word of God to the reality of who we are. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So 
we're only going to do that by allowing God to, um, if you allow this, break us. Uh, what I mean by that is we've put ourselves in too small of a box. I can only. He's got to break us out of that. Because we're going to, one day, the Bible says that one day, we're going to run this universe. This the Bible says, the world to come. It says we're going to run it. So if you don't know how to run your own household, how are you going to manage uh, a galaxy over there somewhere? You're going you to manage it. How am I going to manage the manage a galaxy? How am I going to manage the world to come? You know the, the, the millennial reign, the thousand years reign of Christ? It says we're going to reign with him. We're going to reign with him over this planet. All the Christians who are born again believers, who have been walking with God, we're going to run this planet for a thousand years. You've got to see past, uh, you know, you know how to renovate a house and all that kind of stuff. We've got to see how do, we, how do we renovate a whole region. You know, I don't like St. Pete like this. I'm going to change St. Pete to make it like this. I don't like Atlanta like that. I'm going to make Atlanta like this. Are you seeing that? If you don't see it yet, you'll see it. You just give me a few more messages to dig into you. And you're going you're gonna to be right up here where you need to be. Amen. I say that by faith. I say that by the Holy Ghost. You're going to be right there. Amen. Give God one more big praise today if you receive that word. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Now, Father, today I thank you for each person who, who has received the word of God. I pray that, Lord, that word gets past our souls and our sense realm. That we don't try to make sense of these things unnatural, but that we allow the revelation, the full revelation of the word of God to really penetrate our spirits and produce this... Oh, Life without limits, this life without any, any uh, containment. You're the God who said you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. So Lord, there's so much you want us to do. When you put Adam here, you gave him charge of this planet, and his job was to make the rest of the planet look like the Garden of Eden. And we know he fell short, but you sent Jesus Christ to come and restore things. And we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And we have the assignment of having this whole planet look like the Garden of Eden, to look like luxury, pleasure, and delight. Only we have the power to deal with poverty, lack, and oppression, and division, and all the things that are on this planet, hunger, all the miserable things that the devil has brought, you've given us that power. In fact, you called it in Psalm number 8 when you talked about us being gods. 82, rather, when you talked about us being gods and we're supposed to be doing something, supposed to be judging this earth. Lord, I thank you that, God, that we'll come up to that place, that level, where we can operate like you and walk in our God-given dominion and authority 
where we will walk and live as partakers of your divine nature, partners with your divine nature. So Lord, thank you for stretching us. Stretch us, stretch us, stretch us, stretch us to see beyond the visible and believe you, Lord, to bring your kingdom come and for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. And God, we can hardly wait till tomorrow morning when you visit us. Hallelujah. We can spend that time together all day and every moment. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.